Welcome to the Pad the Stats podcast, your destination for everything fantasy football and where fantasy title hopes come true. And now your host, James Swanson. Our first fantasy draft of the season, our first real fantasy draft of the season is in the books, and I'm here to break it down for you. Hi, everybody. I'm James Swanson. This is Pad the Stats Fantasy Football Podcast. And I'm here by myself today to talk about our combo draft that Pat and I completed last night. Today is Monday, July 1st. And uh, look, I mean, it's I know it's still early for a lot of people out there, but football season, fantasy football season is right around the corner. You're going to start thinking about your drafts here probably in the next month. Um, you know, August is right around the corner, so it's never too early to get you ready to dominate your drafts. And that's what I'm here to do and try to help you to do today. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to go through all of our picks that we we went through last night, um, some a little bit longer analysis, some a little bit shorter, uh, you know, obviously towards the back of the draft. I won't kind of get into those picks as much, but I want to give you an idea of where our head was at, where our heads were at um, when we were making some of the, these decisions, whether we were kind of back and forth on a couple guys. Um, so this was a 12-team league. It was P, It's PPR. It's a two-flex league. So quarterbacks were going very late I think the first quarterback to go is Mahomes in the fourth but then I don't think Aaron Rodgers went until the seventh round uh we ended up getting Drew Brees I think in the 10th or 11th round um so that was great but this is also this is kind of a um a different league because you need to really take some strategy into it because it's a no trade league uh, it's 10 bench spots. It's actually through Real-Time Fantasy. If you've never heard of Real-Time Fantasy, they do this. It's called the Fantasy Championship. Uh, they do it every year. It's it's a big league where you have these individual 12-team leagues, and then at the end of the season, during the playoff time, uh, it breaks into a larger tournament style. So the top four teams from each league get entered into this large tournament pool. Uh, the grand prize is $250,000, but for your 12-team league, there's also a $1,000 prize for first place and a $500 prize for second place. So it's a lot of fun. It kind of adds in the element of not just the 12-team uh, standard fantasy football redraft league uh, kind of mode, but also the larger tournament, not daily fantasy, but it kind of has that feel to it at the end of the season. So it's it's kind of twofold, but it's really nice. Pat and I, I did one by myself last year. Uh, this season, Pat and I are going to do a combo team together, and that that's the team that I'm going to talk about that we drafted last night. I'll speak about that first, and then we're each going to do our two individual leagues uh, through the Fantasy Championship in real time as well. So let's get right into this thing. We had the ninth overall pick. Again, this is a one quarterback, two running backs, two receivers, a tight end, two flex spots, and that's running back, wide receiver, tight end. Uh, a kicker, defense, and then 10 bench spots. As I mentioned, no trade league. So the waiver wire is also, you know, the free agent pool is very, very thin throughout the season. So this is a league where we said, okay, we, we came into this thinking, first off, we didn't love having the ninth overall pick. It wasn't an ideal spot for us. I think it was a little bit better than when you're at six or seven, you get past those top that top flight of running backs, and then you're deciding between, say, uh, you know, DeAndre Hopkins or Devontae Adams or Le'Veon Bell. Um, but this actually fell about perfect for us. So I'll go through the first round quick, um, some of the picks that, that went, and then I'll, I'll talk about our pick. Uh, the top four is going to be 
a little bit of shuffling, but mainly it's going to be unchanged in, in terms of how the top four fall. I went Barkley, McCaffrey, Elliott, Kamara. Um, if you have not listened to our running back rankings episode or our numbers one through 12 episode, um, I suggest you go back and listen to that. We released that last week. Um, I, we still have not done our 12 to 24, uh, or 13 to 24, excuse me. Um, I know we said we were going to get that out last week. We will have that out for you here soon. Um, just kind of tweaking some things and I, I really didn't want to kind of half-ass it. So it's, it, that will be coming out for you. Um, so, so look out for that as well. David Johnson went number five, Devontae Adams at six, Le'Veon Bell at seven, DeAndre Hopkins at eight, and then we took Melvin Gordon at nine. So this is, was a situation going into the draft where we felt that Le'Veon Bell, uh, Michael Thomas, Devontae Adams, maybe one of those three players would be available to us. Uh, maybe Michael Thomas. We were, we were kind of kicking around, do we want to go Le'Veon Bell? Or would we like to take one of these receivers, whichever one kind of falls to us? Well, we didn't have to make that decision. Melvin Gordon falling to us at number nine was an easy decision. We were not going to kind of mess with that at all. Jake asked us this morning, actually, did you consider Michael Thomas in this spot? We did not. This was an easy pick. I think we submitted it within about six seconds. Uh, we, you know, one of those situations where you're running to the podium because we feel like, look, don't outsmart yourself. Or, you know, try to outthink yourself. I guess is what I'm trying to say with with Melvin Gordon here. This is a guy who could easily be a top two or top three running back when it's all said and done at the end of the season. He could beat out any one of the top four running backs that are taken in the draft. Um, he's going to be a bell cow, and there's really not a whole lot to think about here. So we were very happy to get Melvin Gordon in the first round. Michael Thomas went right after him at ten, and then Odell Beckham at eleven, and Joe Mixon at twelve. Again, the twelve team draft. Full point PPR, uh, four point per passing touchdown. So at the turn, it went Mixon Gurley, then Juju Smith-Schuster, Dalvin Cook. And then this was another no-brainer. So we followed up the Melvin Gordon pick with Julio Jones. And this is a spot where I've, you know, I go back and forth whether I want to, you know, in my head, do I want to get a running back receiver? Do I want to get two surefire wide receivers? We talked about that before the draft was... Hey, if if Melvin Gordon's gone, if David Johnson's gone, do we want to just skip on Le'Veon Bell and take, you know, Devontae Adams and uh, Julio, or you know, Devontae Adams and Juju, for example, Devontae Adams and AB? So that was one of the discussions that Pat and I had before the draft. This worked out well, where we felt that we were getting a balance and a really, really good one. Uh, we were, again, right, kind of running to the podium to submit our Julio Jones pick. Um, really, really happy with how the first two picks went. Melvin Gordon, then Julio. The uh, the second round, I won't read off every pick, but I'll get through the first two rounds here. The, the, the second round rounded off with Mike Evans, Travis Kelsey, James Conner, T.Y. Hilton, Damian Williams, Leonard Fournette, Antonio Brown, and Nick Chubb. And I thought the Antonio Brown, that's the Christian McCaffrey owner who took McCaffrey at two. Now, I would have preferred Kamara there. Uh, but I don't think you can really go wrong with those first four picks. Um, it's really kind of who you like, who's your guy. So he gets McCaffrey and AB, and I think that's a, a, a I think he's got to be really, really happy about that. Um, I know I would have been in, in that situation. Nick Chubb, and then in the third round, so it comes back to us at 3.9, we take Aaron Jones. So at this point, we have Melvin Gordon, Aaron Jones, and Julio Jones. 
we again, this was another pick, and I, and I'll get to this, but our first five picks we felt really, really good about. Aaron Jones is another guy who I could easily see being a top twelve or top ten running back. I have him just outside of my top twelve right now. Um, but look, Aaron Jones proved last year that he is a f- far superior runner to Jamal Williams. So, you know, Matt Lafour comes in. They bring in a running style that's going to be kind of an outside zone scheme run. Um, I think that that plays well into what Aaron Jones does. He lost some body weight, you know, some uh, body fat percentage this uh, this summer. Aaron Jones, there was a quote that he had joked about Aaron Aaron Jones being one of, or Aaron Rodgers was saying about Aaron Jones being one of the fastest fastest guys with a, a belly that he's ever seen. Apparently, Aaron Jones kind of you know took that to heart or whatever. Um, lost some weight. I guess he's down to like 5%, he said, body fat or 5.5% body fat. So, I, I mean, I don't know what that means, if that's going to mean a, even a more explosive Aaron Jones. But when we saw him last season, I think we saw a pretty explosive Aaron Jones in that form, in 2018 form too. So, look, this guy looks like the best running back in that backfield. I'm hoping that they continue to give him the workload. And I'm hoping the biggest thing here is can he stay healthy for, for 16 games? Um, you know, it was hurt the last two weeks of, of the season last year, had that suspension to start the season. So, uh, but yeah, Aaron Jones is a guy, again, we were excited to take him. We think he has top 12 upside and very comfortable plugging him in as our RB2. So then it comes back to us with the fourth pick of the fourth round. And this was another one. It was easy again. This was amazing because I think at this point when you get to that third fourth round sometimes you struggle with some picks uh you know we were considering a couple guys we we said okay if Tyree Kill gets back to us do we want to take him in the fourth round he went two picks before us so we ended up going Stefan Diggs so this is a situation where we had two receivers two running backs we were feeling really good about it Diggs again just a quick kind of take on what you should expect in 2019 from the Vikings receivers, I think it's very similar to what we saw last year. Both guys are going to be very productive. Kirk Cousins is going to lean on them both heavily. It would not surprise me if Diggs is, again, 110, 115 targets, uh, you know, somewhere around 90 catches, I think is probably where you're going to see him. So very comfortable getting him as our wide receiver too. We feel extremely, extremely good about our running back too and our wide receiver too. And we felt like we knocked it out of the park in terms of what fell to us in those first four rounds. Again, we weren't super excited about picking at nine because we thought some of the options weren't as good as some of the other places in the draft, but it it turned out where I think we got the best bang for our buck for where we were picking. So extremely happy with how those first four fell. When it came back to us at 5.9, we took Cooper Cup. So this is five rounds now in a row where we said, Okay, they weren't all complete no-brainers, but we felt like Cooper Cup made the most sense in the fifth, too. We could have taken DJ Moore, a guy who I'm very high on, who I think has top 12 upside, if he can gel with Cam this year. Uh, But he ended up going one pick after us, but we felt that Cooper Cup was the guy who, look, before he went down with the ACL injury last year, uh, was on pace for a very, very good season, a very productive wide receiver two season so we felt that we were getting a another essentially another wide receiver two in a top top really a top end flex option in the fifth round so very very happy with Cooper Cup 
Another guy that we had thought of there was Tyler Lockett. He went one pick before us. Um, there were there's some running backs in that area who I think could have a good season, kind of a breakout season, Darius Geis being one of them. I would not mind taking Darius Geis in the fifth round. It wouldn't hurt to get Adrian Peterson late in the draft if you can, just to have that assurance of, hey, you're getting the early down back in Washington. But we felt very good about taking Cooper Cup where we got him, so weren't too upset that Geis and Lockett went the two picks before us. Um, when it came back to us in the sixth round, we ended up taking... This was the one pick in the sixth where we said, you know, we didn't feel great about it. We took Chris Carson... Um, Pat is a little bit up and down on Carson. Lamar Miller went one pick after us, who I, I think they're pretty similar in in what you're going to see. I don't know if Lamar Miller carries the ball as many times as Carson does. Now, Carson touched it 260-plus times last season out of the backfield, or at least running the ball. Um, I don't know if Seattle quite gets to the numbers that they did last year in the running game. They threw the ball the least amount of times in the league. They ran the ball the most. So... Do they repeat that? I think that they're going to be a top five running offense again, um, but I don't know if they quite get to that. I don't know how much. There are a lot of question marks here. This is why we were we had such a dilemma was what kind of workload increase does Rashad Penny get? Is Chris Carson going to get 260 carries? We don't think so. They picked Penny in the first round last year. You have to think that they're going to give him some sort of a, a chance, maybe a bigger crack at the workload. But again, if you get a top five offensive team in you know in terms of rushing, we still felt that okay, we're going to get a pretty good running back. Like I still think the two hundred and thirty carries is in the ballpark for Chris Carson. Um, it it's going to probably come down from that two sixty mark, but I still think you're getting a pretty good option. And in the sixth round, we felt okay with it. We didn't love it, but we felt okay with it. Um, so we went there. At six, uh, another guy that we had considered here, Allen Robinson, who went uh, right at the end, the last pick of the sixth round, and then Aaron Rodgers went the first pick of the seventh round. So I talked about that earlier uh, on the recording was, you know, the quarterbacks just went, go really late. I I got Drew Brees in the ninth round last year. This year, it was the same thing. We kind of saw that falling was, you know, we had considered taking even Andrew Luck here in the sixth round and saying, okay, let's just get that top-end quarterback. But at the end of the day, we felt like, you know, the way this thing's going, we can wait. We can wait. We can get a ton of value in the double-digit rounds. And I will talk about that because that's exactly what we did later in this draft. So it came back to us in the seventh round, uh, and we ended up taking, let's see here, seven. I'm looking at the big board. Miles Sanders. Miles Sanders fell to us in the seventh round. We felt like he was a sixth-round value. Um, we kind of felt like this was a no-brainer. We didn't want Royce Freeman. We didn't feel good about the other running backs in this spot. We felt like we should get another running back before that cliff. So that's something that you need to consider in your drafts is there is a really sharp cliff after that six, seven-round range in terms of the running backs. I think there's a, guy, a few guys who could emerge. You're talking about Naeem Hines getting him a little bit later. I think he's a good option. Um, talked about Adrian Peterson getting him later. Another guy who, look, right now it doesn't sound so sexy, but Washington resigned him for a reason. He had a good year last year. Geis is coming off the ACL injury. Look, I don't think anybody is going to say it wouldn't completely shock anybody if Adrian Peterson came out and, and led them in carries again. So 
but the point of the matter here is there's a big cliff. It's hard to get a lot of great value later in the draft. So we went with the strategy of, hey, we're going to try to get three running backs within the top, you know, the first seven rounds. That was kind of our goal, I think, going into this thing. And we were able to do that. We feel good about Miles Sanders. Um, you know, actually, we took four running backs, I should say, within those first seven rounds, which is even better now um, with the two flex, you know, kind of uh, uh, format. We. We felt like, hey, we have a guy coming off the bench who we can plug and play, and we feel pretty confident in. And then it came back to us in the eighth round, uh, 8.4. We ended up taking Jared Cook. This was the last of the tight ends that we felt had that ability to, you know, the upside, I should say, of the top five, right? Um, we had him at, I think I have him at number eight on my, you know, in my rankings. So we felt good about getting Jared Cook where we did uh, in the eighth round. We didn't, we, we considered streaming. But we said, okay, we're going to stream one or the other. It's going to be tight end or quarterback. We didn't want to do both. So we thought, okay, let's get a guy with some serious, serious upside here in the in the eighth round, excuse me, whether it's quarterback or tight end. And we ended up going in the tight end direction. So took Jared Cook. Um, right after Cook, we ended up coming back at 9.9. And this was another pick. So along with the Carson pick, we were really torn here. We said, okay, in the ninth round, we had going Naeem Hines, so we got our fifth running back within the first nine rounds. Um, this was, again, another point where we said, look, there's two running backs left that we feel like we would maybe be okay getting. And Naeem Hines was one of them. And we said, okay, do we want to take Carson Wentz here? Because we felt like he was, you know, luck was off the board at this point. We felt good about Carson Wentz having top four, top five upside maybe being the last of the guys that we felt could really do that. You know, Matt Ryan was still there as well, but, uh, you know, we weren't actually, you know, I don't know. Actually, I'm taking a look at the board now. Um, I don't know if Ryan, no, Ryan was not there. I'm sorry. He went in the eighth round. Carson Wentz went in the ninth round. So we did go into Hines. We said, okay, let's just keep this running back train going. We're going to have two guys coming off the bench. The pass catching running back who we felt is a guy who can, probably catch 50, 60, uh, maybe more passes in a very good offense. So we knew that we were getting a, a guy in a good offense, getting shares of a good offense, and we wanted to do that. Um, so while we were not completely sold on not Hines in the ninth round, I think it worked out okay for us. Um, we came back in the 10th. We took Geronimo Allison. This was another situation where on real time's big board, Geronimo Allison was way, way, way down there. Um, but we felt when looking at it, look, we just want to get more shares of a good offense, and we think we're getting a guy who could be the number two receiver in Green Bay. So, again, felt pretty good about taking Allison in the 10th. We needed another receiver at this point. We only had Julio Diggs and Cooper Cup at this point, so we needed a fourth receiver. So, at this point, through 10 rounds, we have five running backs, four receivers, and a tight end. We're feeling pretty good about ourselves. We kind of kicked around. We said, ah, should we have taken Wentz? But we settled on the Heinz pick. And at this point, I think we were feeling okay about that. Um, it came back to us. This is where in the 11th round, we ended up getting Drew Brees. So at this point in the draft, uh, we felt okay about where we were running back wise. We had three running backs, two, two starters, a flex in Chris Carson, and then Hines and Miles Sanders coming off the bench. Um, 
And then this was a point where we said, okay, we're going to go two quarterbacks in a row. Because again, no trade league, 10 bench spots for each team. There are not a lot of options mid-season. So we knew that we needed to get somebody here. Um, two guys, really. So we went Breeze in the 11th, came back and got Big Ben in the 12th. Just We felt like, okay, we solidified that position. We just got two guys who, while they might not be top four, top five quarterbacks, though they've shown that they have that upside, um, we felt that we got two guys that definitely have you know top seven upside or top six upside, top eight upside. Uh, so we felt really good about getting those two guys there. Um, in the 13th round, a guy who I did not think that I would be taking, Deshaun Jackson, but we it made most sense. So this was a point in the draft where we where Pat and I looked at each other and we said, you know, Pat said, you want Deshaun Jackson here? And I said, no, not really. But I thought about it for another about 10 or 15 seconds, and I was like, you know, I don't necessarily like Deshaun Jackson as a player, but I also feel like, hey, we're getting him in a, again, share of the Eagles offense who we think is going to be good with Wentz. They have a lot of options, a lot of weapons coming back in that offense. We think it's going to be good. We get Ultimately, we get their deep threat um, in Deshaun Jackson in the 13th round. So we just felt like the, the spot, the landing spot, it made so much sense. So we went out and we got our fifth receiver. So at this point, we have five running backs, five receivers. We're feeling really good about our depth. Um, it comes back in the 13th, sorry, the 14th round. We take another Jackson this time, this time Lamar Jackson. So we got our third quarterback. And I don't know if this was a situation where we came into the draft thinking that we were going to take three quarterbacks, but we both said, hey, Lamar Jackson still has, while we don't necessarily love him as a passer, he is a cheat code. He could be a cheat code in fantasy football just with those rushing totals. So we said, hey, let's let's just go three quarterbacks. We are going to feel good about our team all year. Um, and, and this, again, I can't you know, harp on it enough. We wouldn't do this in a normal kind of setting. But the fact that you have so many bench spots in a 12-team league with no trades— we knew we had to solidify that we had to be deep at the tight end and quarterback position, at least two each. Um, you know, the bench spots alone can kind of justify doing that. So we felt good that we were uh, essentially getting three guys that, you know, we're going to feel good about all year and, and we have the ability to play some matchups as well. So to round out our draft, we ended up taking a second tight end in the 15th round in Jack Doyle. So we get the high upside tight end in Jared Cook. We get the kind of stable tight end in Jack Doyle, who we think is going to be a consistent option all year. I know last year was a bit of a letdown. He was in and out of the lineup, hurt a lot. Eric Ebron benefited from that. If you go back and listen to our tight end rankings podcast, we talk a lot about Eric Ebron, and we are concerned about the the overall volume of what he did, just scoring 13 touchdowns with a limited amount of targets. Eric Ebron, or I'm sorry, Jack Doyle is going to cut into that even more. I think that you're going to get a guy who uh, is a, you know, 50 catches, 55 catches. Um, I think that's probably no problem for Jack Doyle, somebody who you're going to be, you're going to feel pretty, pretty good about, I think, at the end of the year is a guy who, you know, can give you three, four catches a game. So we're pretty happy about, you know, getting those two tight ends. Um, and, and, you know, we're still excited the fact that we get a guy in, in Cook who, again, has massive, massive upside in that Saints offense. 
And then we did enter, end up taking Adrian Peterson, a guy who I've already talked about a lot on this podcast, around 16. Um, again, it was a dart throw, a guy who we think has you know some pretty good upside, high upside in the 16th round, and that's what you have to do in a draft like this where you know, you're not only trying to win your 12-team league, but you're trying to get in that big pool and win some money. So we wanted to take an upside guy. We got some upside guys, and we felt good about where we got Adrian Peterson in the 16th round. So we did have to take a, a defense. We started defense and a kicker. This was where we started to turn our attention towards that. We looked at some schedules. I would suggest doing that when you're getting ready for your draft. Um, you know, in a deep league like this, we said, okay, we're going to take two defenses. So we looked. The Cowboys have an excellent, excellent schedule the first three weeks of the season. Um, they, I know they open up against the Giants, and they have two more after that. Weeks two and three are also very nice. So if you're looking for an early season defense, the Cowboys are one that I think has a very beautiful uh, opening slate. And then we took the Steelers the very next round, round 17. Um, we think they're kind of an underrated defense, not because we're Steeler fans, but we think that, that they have, you know, some underrated, you know, playmakers, uh, especially at the linebacking linebacker uh, core. Uh, T.J. Watt is obviously coming off a big season. They led the league in sacks last year. Um, the turnovers were way down, but I think that they could have some positive regression in that category, and if they do, um, I think you're looking at a pretty good defense. So we went with the Steelers and Cowboys for our two defenses, and then here was another dart throw in the 19th round, Jake Kumaro, who Aaron Rodgers has talked up a lot. He had a good preseason last year for the Packers uh, before going down with that injury that cost him really the entire season. I think he came back at the end of the year. Um, and did a little bit, but for the most part, he his 2018 was a wash. Um, we thought, hey, look, again, we already got Geronimo Allison. Why not take another dart throw at the Packers offense? And if you're a, a person that likes to take that strategy as well, I, I say, you know, thumbs up to that. Um, whether you're going to go after the Colts offense, the Packers offense, get shares. We don't know who the number two necessarily is going to be behind Devontae Adams, but we think, okay, we get a guy who flies under the radar, who just was the Packers, basically their guy to watch in camp uh, or over the summer in 2019, and Jake Kumaro, who we think has a ce- a pretty good ceiling or at least some upside there. And then we get Geronimo Allison, who looked like the number two receiver in Green Bay before he got hurt. Um, so we're feeling pretty good about getting a couple shares of the Packers offense. Again, some upside play there. And then, obviously, we went kicker in the 20th round, but we don't need to talk about that. Just got our guy, Adam Vinatieri, who we think, at, still at age 46, is very reliable. Um, and, uh, it, again, a good offense. So we always want to try to get a kicker in a good offense, um, try to get shares of that. So that's kind of how it shook out. Again, we ended up taking uh, you know, a bunch of, of running backs early. I think that when you're looking at your draft, if I have one piece of advice before I wrap up this podcast today, is that cliff. That seventh, eighth round cliff at running back, it's steeper than what I remember in past years. So just be prepared for that. I'm glad that we got four running backs in the first seven rounds. I think that helped us tremendously in how we could kind of go about our later round picks. Um, We could shoot for a little bit of upside because we had stability at our key positions. And we were also able to get good quarterbacks, at least good value at quarterback, taking Breeze, Roethlisberger in double-digit rounds. So 
That'll wrap it up for the draft. Again, we are going to do our 13 to 24 ranked running backs, and we still have more ranking releases to get to. Receivers are next after the running backs, so uh, look out for that. I will have this podcast out today, July 1st, um, so so look out for this on uh, all of the major podcast platforms. I always talk about this, but you can really find us anywhere. Google Podcasts, uh, if you have an Android, Apple Podcasts, if you have an iPhone, um, Spotify, iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn Radio, you name it, you can find us. So thanks again for listening, everybody. I'm your host, James Swan- Swanson, Pat the Stats, Fantasy Football Podcast, signing off. Have a good one. Bye-bye.